to Romans chapter 16. Remain standing as we read God's word. Romans chapter 16. And we'll read from verse 25 to the end of the book. Verse 27. Romans 16, 25. Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ, in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith, To the only wise God, be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. Father God, we do sing of your goodness. Lord, we do celebrate and praise your might and your power and your glory for all of our days. Oh God, you are so good. Lord, you are so mighty. You are so powerful. God, you are so full of grace and mercy and love. God, how can we not be overwhelmed by what you have done for us? Oh, God, you are so good to us. Lord, help us to just catch that just a little bit. Lord, help us to just feel it for a moment. To not simply be stuck in intellectualism, mere facts, unfeeling, but Father, to embrace and experience your goodness and your grace and your mercy and the real, true meaning of Christmas. God, we pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. There's an old saying about losing your head if it wasn't screwed on. And I really (laughs) resemble that remark often. I ran back to my office right before the service to get my uh, little what I like to call my fry mic. I say that because I feel like I should say, would you like some fries with that every time I wear this mic? And I made it back just in time before the service started. And then I said, oh, great, I got my mic, but I left my mask. So I ran back to my office as the Charlie Brown Peanuts music was beginning. And I was just kind of skipping along here in that playing. And uh, so as I was going back to get my mask, Uh, Judy was there in the fellowship hall, our church secretary, and she often uh, watches the service from in there and kind of monitors things in there uh, in where we have our overflow. And so she heard the Charlie Brown music playing and she said, hey, Charlie Brown, uh, come kick the football. I said, no, thanks, Lucy. Um, So uh, anyway, we do. Uh, we are. We are blessed to have her here as our secretary, and uh, we all have a great uh, working relationship among our staff. 
But uh, we, we all like to joke and kid and mess around quite a bit. And one of the many things that Judy does uh, around the church is that she uh, types out, she transcribes my sermons. And I've asked her to do, this, do that exactly, not to clean anything up so that when I go back and look at them, I will know how many times I say, uh, um, huh, you know, what, whatever little things I say, I see it in print. And that kind of helps me to remember, try to do a little bit better next time and, and all that kind of stuff. So, and so she, uh, if any of you think you listen or pay attention to my sermons, she does more so because they have to come through her fingers every single week. And so she's learned a lot of my uh, not necessarily mannerism. She's not looking, but she's listening. But she's learned my catchphrases. She's learned my go-to, my standby type uh, of, of things that I say a lot. And, and she's told me this. There are some simple words that she cannot stand to hear coming out of my mouth. Because when she hears them, she knows something's happening. Now, it has nothing to do with her pet sins or anything like that. But what she hates to hear are the words, by the way. Because when she hears the, the words, by the way, she said, that's another 10 minutes of extra typing. Because when I say, by the way, and I kind of look to the side, she said, that's about 10 minutes of, you know, rabbits. We're going to chase rabbits for a while, and I'm going to tell a funny story that doesn't have a whole lot to do. And then I'm eventually come back and get on track. But she knows her fingers are going to start getting wore out when I say, by the way. Well, by the way, no. <laughs> I want you to know that I am not the first preacher to do that, okay? That it, there is a grand and long tradition of preachers doing, by the way, or something similar, and it goes all the way back to the beloved Apostle Paul, so I think I stand on good authority. And you will notice he kind of does the whole by the way thing an awful lot. And one of the reasons uh, you'll see that there are sometimes pretty awkward type sentences in Scripture is because many times the writers of these books or often these letters were not even writers themselves. For instance, in Romans, which is a letter, not a, not a book, you know, the, the Gospels, you could kind of call, you know, we talk about 66 books in the Bible, and you could kind of call the Gospels, well, that's kind of like a book, a Gospel, but, you know, when you get to the letters, those are, those are letters, or the fancier word is epistles. But you're really kind of going out on a limb by calling them a book. Not only is it a letter, but often the author was not even the person who physically wrote it down. In fact, when you get to the end, toward the end of Romans, and he's talking about, um, you know, the, the diff, there's, there's the different greetings and, and all this kind of stuff. Verse 22 of Romans, if you happen to have your Bible with you, it says, I, Tertius, who wrote down this letter, greet you in the Lord. Okay? So if you, the whole time you'd been reading Romans, if you were picturing in your mind that Paul was the one with the quill and dipping in the ink and writing this out, no, no, no. Paul was sitting here preaching. Okay, Paul was going on and on and on, and Tertius was like, oh, you know, he was, he was the Judy, so to speak, okay? He was the one writing all this stuff out, and so it's easy when you're talking and you kind of get on a roll to say, by the way, and you kind of go off a little bit, and, 
And that's kind of why there were no editors, you know. And so that's why some of the, the, the sentences, when you read the New Testament, and you're like, whoa, that's a doozy of a long sentence. It's just because they were talking, and just like in our everyday conversations, we'll start off talking about Bob, you know, and he wore his belt. By the way, I whipped out my belt on my young end. You know, we just kind of change subjects, and, you know, they were doing that because they were talking, and someone else was writing it down. There wasn't a formal process for writing and editing and all that kind of stuff. They were just talking, preaching, however you want to say it, and someone was taking it down. Well, these verses that we read are kind of like that. It was one long sentence in the original Greek, verse 25 to 27, and it kind of gets a little unwieldy because of that. But it starts off, now to him who is able, and then if you want to know what, and then in the middle is one big by the way, okay? All that's a by the way. If you skip down to verse 27, to the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. Now to him be glory, the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so that's the original thought. Now to him the only wise God be glory forever. Amen. The main original thought is let's give glory to God. He's the only wise God. Let's give him glory. That was Paul's big point. But his by the way was a pretty important point also. And his by the way is the actual thing that we want to talk about today. Although praising God for the by the way is something we want to do. His by the way has to do with a mystery. A mystery that was hidden. A mystery that would not be unveiled or unwrapped for many, many hundreds or even thousands of years. And so that's why this message today is called Unwrapping the Mystery of Christmas. Do you ever have a present in your home? Now, this wasn't just a Santa present. Think back to your childhood. This wasn't just a Santa present that showed up Christmas morning. This was a present that got put out underneath the tree for many, many, maybe a week, maybe two, maybe even three weeks before Christmas came, and it had your name on it, but you didn't know what it was. You looked at the size of that box. You looked at the shape of that box, and you tried to guess. You tried to analyze from that size and that shape of that box what that present might be. Now, you may have been given instructions, don't touch that box. And I'm sure that you obeyed those instructions. I'm sure you didn't shake that box or pick up that box and feel how heavy it was. Or I'm sure you didn't check to see if there were any creases that weren't taped quite good enough. You know, <clears throat> may they rest in peace. We had an aunt and uncle that were, they were a little bit conservative with their money. In every single way. I mean in every single way including wrapping paper. They were not going to overlap wrapping paper at all, use any extra wrapping paper. And we kind of like that because they would leave little openings where you could see through the wrapping paper and kind of try to guess what was underneath. And so all of us had that idea of there's a present 
And we know it's coming, and we know it's for us, but we're not sure exactly what it is. And it's this big mystery. And Paul says that there was a mystery coming down through the ages. And everybody knew God was up to something. In fact, he put a big hint way back in the very beginning in the garden. When mankind, when Adam and Eve first fell into sin, God was very sad. God said, there's going to be some consequences to your sin. And he listed a lot of terrible consequences to their sin. And, and these were rough things that were going to happen. Sin entered this world and things were not going to be easy anymore. Things were not going to come. Childbirth, while, while good, wonderful, blessed children would still come, there was going to be a lot of pain involved. While, while the ground could still be tilled and, and, and beautiful things would still grow, now the briars were going to come with it. All the, there was still going to be blessing to work, but now there was going to be curse along with the blessing. It wasn't that every good thing was taken out of life, but there are many more difficulties and hardships were added to it. Sin added so many hardships and messed up so many good things about life. But God also promised. He, he, he just teased out just a little bit when he was talking about the serpent and what would happen to the serpent. He talked about the serpent. Well, you'll bite the heel, but, oh, the descendant of the woman is going to crush your head. And from that very first hint of there one day coming someone, God someday sending someone, and throughout the ages from the prophets, there would be fuller hints, fuller views Glimpses that someone who would eventually become known as the Messiah, God's anointed one, would be coming. And this coming one would bring salvation. And yet, as many of these glimpses, as many of these hints, as many of these prophecies there were, it was still like a wrapped box. You could shake it. You could hear something moving around. You could kind of get some clues about what it might be. But there was still a mystery there. It still wasn't complete. And sometimes we get down on these, on these Jews in Jesus' day and we're like, why didn't they get it? Guys, they couldn't completely get it. Because in the Old Testament, they weren't told that there was going to be a first coming and a second coming of Jesus. Those prophecies were all intermixed throughout the Old Testament. They, they were never told that, hey, these are going to be fulfilled at one point, and these other ones are going to be fulfilled at another point. And they especially liked certain ones. You know, we, they wanted to hear. Who didn't want to hear the prophecies about a conquering king? who would come in and throw off all oppression. And the prophecies about a suffering servant. Mm, 
It's, it's better to skip over those prophecies. It's, it's better to not focus on those. Who wants to focus on the more negative-sounding things? I believe it's a little bit easier to understand them if we're honest about human nature, why they weren't really expecting what they got. But Paul says here that God had this present planned. And he was waiting, as other scriptures say, for the fullness of time. Now, have you ever been in this situation? I'm going to ask, some of you, you're probably a lot better person than me, but so you've probably never done this or thought this thing that I've thought. But this has happened to me multiple times in my life. I've had a, a present that I've gotten for some special someone along the way, um, whoever it may be, okay? Because this has happened multiple situations in my life. And I've planned it like well in advance. And then like it could have been like two months, three months, whatever. And then in that time, that person, you don't appreciate me. You never do anything for me. Or, you know, do you even care about me? And you know what my response is? What I'm thinking, you don't even know what I've done for you. You know, I could just take this back right now. In fact, I'm probably going to, and I'm not even going to tell you about it, and you're going to be mad, and guess what? I'm not going to be sorry for you at all, because you just don't even know what a good person, what a good friend, what a good husband, fill in the blank. I am, because I am doing stuff for you, and you are just prejudging me. Talk to the hand. You know, that is what I'm thinking in my mind. Now, y'all would never do that, right? Y'all would just probably be so patient and kind with that person. And like, oh, they're just ignorant. They just don't realize what a good guy or girl you are. But me getting in the flesh like the sorry human being that I am, I have often felt that way in my life. When people have misjudged me, when they have not realized that like behind the scenes, they don't even know I'm throwing them a party or I'm gotten them this gift or I'm doing this thing and haven't told them. And I wonder sometimes how in the world the Lord felt as people called out to him and said, God, why are you doing this to me? God, why haven't you done anything about this wickedness? God, how could you allow this to happen? And God says, don't you know, I've sent my one and only son. And he's going to the cross. There is nothing more I could possibly do for you. But this mystery, even though they knew a gift was on the way, even though they could see it shiny, wrapped up underneath the tree, so to speak, through the prophecies, through the utterings of the God's holy men and women throughout the ages, it had not yet been unveiled. Christmas had not yet come. And Paul, at the end of Romans, says, Praise God all praise to the only wise God because now we can see what all of those before Christmas, they could not see, they did not know, the package had not been unwrapped. 
Christmas Day had not come. They could not understand how good it would be. But the mystery has been unwrapped. Jesus and God's plan has been unveiled. Christmas is here. And we live on the other side of Christmas. We have no excuse. Those Old Testament saints... I imagine stand and shake their heads at us sometimes and say, how? How could you not believe? How could you doubt? Just like we look back in judgment and say, oh, those people who lived in Jesus' day. And they saw his miracles. They saw the water turn to wine. They saw the 5,000 being fed. How in the world could they not believe? And the Old Testament saints think, shake their heads and they they look at us and they say, you live on the other side of Christmas. We we had hints. We had vague prophecies here and there about a a coming Messiah and what he might be and what he might do that we kind of had to piece together and and, and trust. And, And you have the Gospels. You have the life of Christ, his birth, his life, his preaching, his teaching, his example, his trial, his persecution, the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection. How do you doubt? More than that, how do you live without joy? How do you ever live without hope, without peace? What has caused you to falter or fail? And the simple answer is, it's only because we take our eyes off Jesus, because this side of Christmas, we have everything to give us peace, hope, and joy. We know the things. We know what God has done. We know the truth. We know exactly. We've seen that present unwrapped. And it's not one that gets old, and it's not one that wears and tears. It's not one that we outgrow, and it's not one that someone can take away from us. It is a one, it is a gift that keeps on giving and keeps on blessing year after year after year, and it keeps on growing. We only lose our faith, our hope, and our love when we take our eyes off of Jesus. That's the best by the way that's ever been given. So we go back to Paul's main point. Praise the God, the only wise God forever and ever, because he's the one who deserves all praise and glory for what he's done in sending his son, Jesus Christ. Pray with me. Thank you, God. God, we praise you. God, we honor you. God, we lift you up. God, we magnify your name just as Mary said. Oh, I magnify the Lord. God, we magnify your name. We proclaim your name. We preach your name. We spread your name. We glorify your name. You are the only true God. You are the only wise God. Father, May we constantly be reminded, not at just this time of the year, but always, 
Lord, our faith and trust can be in you. You don't pull that football away. You don't trick us. You don't fake us. God, you love us. You care for us. And you're always there for us. Lord, may we trust in you and may we share the message of your love with others so that they, God, may be blessed. God, that they, in turn, may know your love and share it with others as well. Father, we pray and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.